0: Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of the beautiful podcast. How are you today? As I record this, it's Thursday afternoon here in, uh, admittedly, pretty rainy uh, Toronto, Canada, where I've been for the uh, Spring One Tour Toronto show, which is a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, And you know, that was really good. It was really good to be back in Canada. I, I have missed this beautiful, beautiful country for so very long. Uh, my trip getting here, I admit was not as smooth as it could have been. Uh, the airline lost my luggage. That was, that made for an interesting first 48 hours on the ground. But that aside, I have just been so glad to be here. I've just missed this place. I've missed the people. I missed the, the, the culture, the food, the everything. I just missed it. And so I'm so glad to be back. Um, I have, uh, I have a lot of things I want to go see before I take off for Germany uh, for the we are developers conference uh, next week. Um, And uh, you know, one of those, one of those people, of course, is my, my uh, friend, Luke Shannon, Luke, you may recall, he, he was a part of pivotal. Uh, He's, he's awesome. He he's a friend, right? He's been really good to me uh, for reasons I'll never quite understand. Um, I, uh, I had COVID last year, which was uh, not great because I have asthma. So it, it kept me home for a it kept me down and and home for a long a lot longer than it had any business doing and uh Luke was so cool he was a uh, he was great he um he uh watched TV with me basically he would set up a zoom call and um every day he would uh we 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 watched some TV show you know just to, just cuz I was isolating right I was in, I was locked up in the master bedroom um <laughs> trying not to get my family sick so uh we'd set up a zoom call and he would just chat and hang out whatever watch tv watched a we'd both play uh something on our respective tvs and uh whatever it was just great really good friend really good person so i am just so glad to finally see him again first time in years uh literally years you know because of this stupid virus stupid pandemic um so it's just been a lot of fun being here on the ground the spring one tour uh, was oh, that? It's not the first one, but it was my first show, my first show of of the season because I had to skip out on on the uh, Chicago edition uh, because I was at Devnexus just a a little bit less than two weeks before that, and uh, while I didn't contract COVID, I had been in contact with people who did, and there was a concern that I might uh, develop a, a case, and uh, so we couldn't take the risk. Thankfully, I, uh, I'm, I'm fine. I didn't, as far as I know, anyway, I didn't get COVID. Um, but nonetheless, just, uh, out of, out of an abundance of caution, something I, I truly appreciate. Uh, you know, I didn't go to, um, to the Chicago show, right. I, 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 I uh, skipped that one. So this is my first Springwood tour event and it has been so much fun. Uh, my only regret of course is missing the, uh, J nation show in portugal i was looking forward to that um and uh you know perhaps next year but i am looking forward to the we are developers show in berlin uh like like i said next week uh and you know even the rain provides an opportunity i don't know if any of you watch marvel uh stuff on disney plus but they've got this new show called miss marvel which is really great what a what a fun show uh i only mention it because the actress who portrays the protagonist uh, uh, Kamala Khan is apparently from Toronto. So <laughs> it just makes it even cooler, right? Just, uh, uh, the first episode debuted while we're in, uh, while we're in Toronto. Uh, the other thing I got to do while here in Toronto is I, uh, I got to record a new episode of this show with my colleague, my friend, uh, Corey Berkley, uh, who is, uh, a legend i mean just there's nothing she can't do and i've just been so impressed uh uh whenever i get to work with her and learn from her i've always been just just overwhelmed with just how grateful i am to be on her team and not against her you know like i i'd much rather she be on our team than the uh than the distinguished competition you know um so uh we just we talked about all things you know what do we talk about we talked about a uh, kubernetes of course and um and by the way, we talked about Kubernetes. She could have, I could have thrown anything at her. Like she's got years of experience with Spring, years of experience with the, inter- the enterprise ecosystem, years of experience in Kubernetes and cloud and you know, infrastructure and all that stuff. She's just an all around smart uh, uh, human being, you know, one of the smartest I know. So I was just really glad to have this conversation. We talked about uh, supply chain, you know, uh, Kubernetes supply chain, trying right, to uh, with cart- cartographer and all that stuff. So it was a really interesting conversation. I hope you get something out of it, as I as I did for sure. Uh, and uh, as always, we'll talk to you next time. Okay, we did it. Somehow, despite all, against all odds, we've managed to get this thing going. We are live. Oh, it's so good. What, do you know when we're supposed to be in the next talk?
1: I was just going to look oh, at that.
0: Like, yeah, I was going to check. For people who are not aware, we're recording this live in person direct but not live you're, it's not like you're gonna hear it live but we're recording it from uh tantalizing toronto canada uh which is nice this is i don't know if it's you've a ever been beautiful here
1: beautiful city oh, it's, so it's amazing
0: i love toronto i love it i, I could live here easily my you know i've told you this before my girls my my partner and my kid they get uh cold when they look at photos of snow right <laughs> like so they can't do anything east coast but i i can live here
1: I could live here too. Oh, it's yeah, a, it, yeah that's a, I that's the feeling that I had when I got here. Why in my life did I not visit Toronto earlier?
0: Yeah. This place is amazing. Uh, so okay, how much time do So it. you
1: have 30 minutes before you have to be live on stage. Oh, fine. Okay. Let's Toronto, get so one.
0: let's get to it. We're live. It's okay. Um you and I just finished along with our our, our friend, our colleague, our pal, the in inestimable uh, you know, uh, inimitable Deshaun Carter.
1: Deshaun, yes. We
0: just did the uh, Cloud Native Crew recording. So Cloud Native Crew, for those of you who don't know, is my other show where I moonlight as a... <laughs> as a what are we doing? That? What is that show? What's the point? It's
1: called, uh, what is the point? The point is to have fun and... Uh, check. Check. Uh, to talk about anything Cloud Native. So check. we have segments on Kubernetes topics. We have segments on spring topics. We focus a little bit on the Tanzu umbrella, maybe more than a little bit. Right. And we have a guest... Uh, to really learn about them, their experience, their life, their perspective. Uh, we've done three episodes
0: so far. Four? We just put one... Put the this fourth is one, our fourth. Yeah, yeah, we just put our fourth true. one to, to it's bed. That's
1: true. So we did a trivia show. Yeah. So we're on Spring One Tour. This is our second stop of the 2022 Spring One Tour. We were in Chicago last month. We're in Toronto. Rub it in why don't you.
0: <laughs> we co- missed you. I couldn't go. I mean, we missed you. For those of you who are wondering, I couldn't go because there were some people with whom I had contact who caught COVID. I second didn't. Second degree. At uh, DevNexus. Yes. Yeah, which is a great show, and you should te- definitely go and just wear a mask. But um, anyway, there are some people that with whom I had contact who caught COVID in the the time between Dev Nexus and the Spring One tour Chicago show was small enough that I could still potentially develop a case of COVID.
1: Yeah, we decided to be extra cautious since we were completely sponsoring.
0: responsible. the Right thing mm-hmm. to do, right? Uh, But it was a sacrifice not
1: to have you there. yeah
0: they have such great tiki bars there the food was delicious the food is good but also we're in toronto and guess what they have here
1: great bars and great food
0: yes um so you know at least i didn't miss this one you didn't miss too much
1: yeah no so we are so yeah so we did but uh so we we couldn't do this in chicago because you weren't there but so in toronto we just had our first trivia game so we thought up some fun questions Uh, (laughs) (laughs) some some canada trivia some spring trivia Some Kubernetes trivia. Yeah. 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 It's was a good time.
0: The trivia that, yeah. We had the YAML
1: audience participating. And they were mm-hmm. great. You know,
0: uh, I think they were just, they were eating and noshing. And so they were, the, the itis had had crept in and they still managed to like be lively participants in our, our little game show. It was great. Uh, so happy.
1: And I learned some stuff. Me too.
0: That's good. I hope <laughs> the audience, I, I'm sure the audience, I'm right, sure. We, really they, all, something. they knew all this, but <laughs> you know, for those of us on, the, on, on stage, it was great. And we got people to come up on stage. It was great, you know? Yes. Uh, a little bit of risk. There's a little bit of risk in that cause of course. For them too. Yeah, like, who are these crazy people asking yeah, me to come exactly. up? Exactly. They're on stage. camera. They might get COVID. You can actually. you know. In theory, if somebody on the stage has COVID, then there's going to be footage of the very moment they got COVID. Right, which is surreal. If you zoom
1: in, yeah, you, you might even see the, see the moment. The
0: COVID yeah, exactly. Flying. No, but I don't think we have COVID, right? I mean,
1: I'm, I I just got tested today.
0: Yeah, I had to. I'm negative. I tested uh, before I came to Canada. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to get on a, a plane. That's the good thing
1: about traveling, that you end up getting tested frequently. All the time.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't stop you from getting it. It no. just stops you from getting on a plane if you've already got it. Like, if I already had it, I didn't want to get stuck on the other side of the border.
1: Yeah, although yeah. if I had to get stuck, Toronto's not a bad place to be no, stuck. No, this is... Yeah.
0: I could hang. This place I, is great. I could
1: spend another 10 days here.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, that's true, actually. I I could have... I, I might actually... I have no luggage. They stole my luggage at Air Canada. So it's the only thing I'm not happy about is... I don't have my luggage, so staying here for any amount of time. Yeah, without. I don't
1: think I've ever seen you on stage. Wait, were you wearing a white spring shirt? Did you have one in your backpack, or were you wearing this a, shirt? Yeah, that I you're was wearing. On? No, oh, you carry this, that
0: in your backpack always. You
1: carry your spring shirt in your
0: backpack always. Wow, I, I didn't wear one for this because of uh-huh. the Cloud Native Crew, but uh, you know, when I do my presentations, you always have a shirt. In your backpack, have. I've got two, in fact, in case somebody. Walks up to me and spills coffee on my shirt. Uh, like,
1: uh, you know, I remember the first time I traveled with you. We went to Bangalore.
0: Oh, you know, and uh, wow. and that was
1: the first time I, I I noticed sort of your routines around keeping your shirt clean. because oh, we went to we went to lunch. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and you said I'll be right back, and you and you change your shirt before lunch, and then you changed it back after. Which yeah, was fascinating. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: it's cool. A, it's a prop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the laptop and that shirt are props. How
1: many of those shirts do you have, Josh?
0: Not enough. Actually, I I, I had to start printing my own because oh, my the God. ones I had before are all faded and you know they have the wrong company name on it now as well so
1: oh you make them
0: yeah it's gotten wow. to the point where i have to like you know i got permission of course uh-huh, uh-huh. i wouldn't illegally print yeah,
1: anything yeah, without yeah. permission yeah we
0: used to have a store store.spring.io huh. and uh i don't know where that is it'd be great if it was there because people ask me all the time where can i get that shirt I'm Like, yeah, guy <laughs> if you'd find out <laughs> let me know you know i would love to know there was a huh. the uh, before the before i gained my covid 20 pounds you know um or kilos not to, not twenty Stones. kilos. Yeah, whatever. Before I gained my COVID <laughs> no. twenty uh, pounds, I I uh, used to fit in these shirts I got from. Oh god, it must be like ten years old, right? Like uh-huh. the, I remember there was a bunch of them in Rob Winch. I, f- I forget what the uh, situation was, but I was in Kansas City with with Rob. Uh-huh. You know, he's he's in that area, and uh, Rob Winch is the spring security lead. Rob Winch is mm-hmm. he's, he's the uh, by the way. He he and I talk all the time, and he won't come on the show.
1: Oh, really? He
0: won't come on the podcast. Yeah, because he's very secure, right? (laughs) Like, you know, he's he's the stuff of legends, and he's very secure. He's a secure (laughs) legend. So it's not that he's got anything against me. It's just (laughs) being recorded is... It's a breach of security. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. He's great. Um, open, so he, open vulnerabilities. So yeah. Maybe <laughs> it's just, that? well, maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because I made him. So at one point, he collected a bunch of t-shirts for me, knowing that I used them all the time. Huh. He got, like, 20 of them. And he was going to give them to me when he saw me in, like, Kansas City. And I, I came and went before he got a chance to give them to me. So uh-huh. he had to keep them for another, like, year in his trunk. Right? And then he gave them to me the next year. I was like, oh, thank you. You know, but this <laughs> poor old bastard, you know? So maybe he's just still <laughs> sore about having to. Warehouse, the, yeah. tiny shirts. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, um, yeah. So anyway, you're on the you were not you and I were, were in Bangalore, but that was mm-hmm. that was in the old old days before the virus. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's call that BV. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and in in that capacity, you were serving as like a real. I was like so I was uh,
1: yeah so so that was when uh, the company we worked for was Pivotal still yeah. at the time. And I was what pivotal called a platform architect, but I think a more general vocabulary. I was doing pre-sales, solutions engineering pre-sales, and you were going to uh, sort of an internal tech conference for for one of our customers there, yeah. and I was accompanying. I suppose I was asked to just kind of tag along, yeah, um, to learn uh, from you and know to what our customer was doing, and uh, yeah, to have conversations, to yeah, yeah, um, and it was it was so much fun, and I. Uh, yeah, that was that was probably the first time I really kind of started to get to to know you and your poor thing. Uh, no, no, it was so, it was so much fun. You descent. know, from that trip, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but so you were doing your live coding presentation. Uh, you did it a few times there. You did it for a very large audience. You had them cracking up as usual, and then you also did it for a small a room at, at within the company. There was maybe thirty people in the room, and you were like way up front. Uh, and I don't do you remember you had pink eye? Uh,
0: it, it's happened to me. Once or twice, yeah.
1: Okay, so that well, that was the the once or twice that it happened to, and so I I would joke that most people have seen Josh
0: Long code yeah. live,
1: but I've seen him code blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> live yeah. code oh. blind.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's only possible with spring. You Can't get away with it anywhere else, you know. You gotta know, you gotta know, you gotta a know what you're doing. Yeah, you got it. And B C, you know, but with spring, it's like, yeah. I can do C that. Seeing would help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that was fun. I've been, I've been, and this is the thing. I think you, you, you've traveled a a ton Mm -hmm. as well. And at some point you just get a to the idea that you're going to get on a plane and be sick. Yeah. I'm sick. I've just gotten on how many, if I, if, if having a cold meant I stayed home, then I wouldn't go anywhere. Right. Like I just, and that was before the virus. And now it's like, Oh God, he sneezed run, you know, like every little Every little cough or sneeze or whatever yeah. it is just... Yeah,
1: although it probably will give us some, at least some good habits that if you if you do have a cold, it's okay to wear a mask, which sure. was not part of, yeah. you know, some cultures, yes, but, I you know, the, the etiquette. Western so much, not not so much. So, For yeah, sure. that's good. That's a good takeaway.
0: Great. Mm-hmm. A great thing to come of the... Uh, is it better hygiene, you know? Just yeah. better. Wash your hands <laughs> wash and wear hands. a mask. Hey, yeah. who would have thought? <laughs> and the people that don't do that stick out in sharp relief now you know like ew that's a person (laughs) i probably don't want to hang around too much you know uh i never wore a mask before though
1: uh no i didn't either but i remember seeing i remember seeing people wear them as early as uh in the early 2000s in in my memory yeah
0: yeah i've seen you know you go to japan or korea or china they're everywhere you know yeah Uh, oh yeah i guess
1: in the 90s i in the 90s i saw them but i saw them i was in uh Bangkok with my family. But then I thought it was more for pollution in oh, Bangkok. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, because it was mostly like the the cops who were like, or the you know, the people who were like directing, directing traffic. Right. And they had them. Oh, they're so in I, the streets. I related it more to uh, to pollution back that, in the 90s. but Yeah, because
0: bird flu came later, A little right? later than that, yeah. Yeah, it was 2000s. Yeah. Well, anyway, hmm. um, that took a dark turn. <laughs> Let's talk about YAML. <laughs> No, no better sense. This is the
1: one context yeah. where YAML is the happy yeah. topic. So we finally found. We did it. We did it,
0: everybody. YAML is better than yeah. COVID. Yeah, pack it in. We're done. Uh, no, I, so what happened was, you and I are on the uh, we're on the Tanzu team, mm-hmm. yes. and uh, Tanzu, of course, is a division of VMware, mm-hmm. um, and you know we cloud native all the things, right? We're it's. It's a the whole discussion is around how to take everything from from developer to operator and and in between and and help people get to production faster with that stuff you know so Spring applications and Spring Boot and uh, you know Kubernetes and Tanzu Community Edition Kubernetes and all that yeah,
1: yeah. I mean I, you know it's I I think I've. I think there's different ways to talk about it, and uh, whenever I talk about it in one way, then I listen to myself and I'm like, oh, I forgot to frame it this other way. So I, no I think there's no one way. There's no one way to frame it. Yeah. So one way that I that I used to frame it, and I, and I realize now is insufficient, but but it, but it is still you know partially true. That one of the things that we do for at least for enterprise customers who need to do things at scale is to help them do that at scale, right? Because one Kubernetes cluster is, is not going to do that much for you. You need to be able to provision and manage many Kubernetes clusters, and you need to make sure that all of your you know, uh, networking or compliance or security policies are being applied across all of those clusters in a uniform way, in a, in a way that you can sort of humanly manage. And so uh, part of that is addressing those uh, needs of Kubernetes at scale, and that really covers the gamut of like, you know provisioning cluster security and networking and um, visibility monitoring you know all the all the bells and whistles you have to add to a cluster in order to make it really uh, something uh, like a platform that you can work with yeah and then there's of course what you're saying is the developer experience so taking something that's based on kubernetes but uh but packaging it and adding it to it in a way that it becomes a developer-friendly land and that uh, pl- platform. there is a
0: significant climb
1: there is a big line between base there. kubernetes Yes, yeah.
0: And developer-friendly Yeah, Kubernetes. and
1: in the last, I guess, uh, I don't know exactly when Kubernetes started, but last six, eight years, I guess. Yeah, 2014, it yeah, seems like. Right, and that's been years. the journey, right? Like, how, how do you develop something that will yield that experience to developers and make it something that operators can easily maintain? And how do you, and, and the better Kubernetes becomes as a developer platform, the lower the burden is on developers to skill up on, you know, direct Kubernetes skills, because it should sort of pass to, like, back-end plumbing where developers right. can just interface with it through some, you know, happy inter- happy sort of like, I don't know, API or, or it's just an experience. Yeah, so yeah. They don't ha- really have to, uh, but until that happens, as developers, we often find ourselves having to learn a little bit more about it. And then I think the third one, and this is where the open source, the community, the Tanzu Community Edition mm. product comes in, is that it it adds to that the use case of just giving uh, everybody a a freely available easily accessible easy to use entry point and tool for whether you want to learn kubernetes it's a great place to start whether you need to use kubernetes and you're not at a place where you need a commercial solution it's solid you can use that um or you're just trying to evaluate it uh so there is this uh open source freely available version i mean both open source and free right two separate things um and that's what we have in Tons of Community Edition. So I think all of those for me, I guess, are the three different uh, ways to approach this story and kind of figure you know, describe where we're going with it.
0: And that's a big deal because I, mm-hmm. I used to I mean, people I I almost envy the the people who are just getting into the industry right now, they don't remember that you used to have to pay for developer seats for yeah. infrastructure. You'd be like, you want to if you wanted to run an app server, you wanted to write code and deploy it to the app server, you had to pay for that instance. Yeah. To the point where like I've worked in organizations where you couldn't actually get a prod like deployment uh unless you deploy to a shared instance you know all the developers would share it to one like instance of an application server for example yeah. that kind of thing um
1: yeah and uh,
0: uh yeah I, I just remember that that whole thing was um uh, that whole thing took a lot longer than than people understood you know it, it was just so much work back then and now to be able to have a reproducible um environment where people can actually uh, you know, they can get prod-like environments for free on their local work ma- work, work, work machines, you know. That's so valuable, so yeah. valuable, you know. Uh, so now we have a, now it's not just an application server. Now it's a whole freaking cloud platform I can run on my local laptop that is just it's, open source, free, yeah. deployable. It's
1: so amazing. so amazing. It's so amazing. It's future's and wonderful. Yeah, and it really is like Kubernetes is sort of like the, because so many, you know, if you if you're committed to that Kubernetes ecosystem, or if you find yourself working in that e- ecosystem, you you start to get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Then you start putting then you put your database in the ecosystem, and then you put your you know all these different pieces. start Then you put your your whole like There's CI/CD gravity. tool chain. Yeah, and and Kubernetes offers you this sort of common. API for installing things, for managing, for troubleshooting. So the more comfortable you get, the more you realize that your skills are transferable. Because before if yeah. you had to troubleshoot your Oracle database or your Postgres database; those were different skills. And then you had to troubleshoot your your uh, WebSphere server. Or, or oh. those are all different skills: installing, configuring, managing, troubleshooting. And then suddenly, when you put those things on Kubernetes, it all there's a it's it's kind of like when you're in the you know Google Google uh, Documents ecosystem or the Microsoft Word ecosystem, right? You're in Microsoft, you're in Word, and you go to Excel, and it's, there's a, a there's a look and feel that you're familiar with, and suddenly you, you might be using, you know, Keynote for the first time, but your your skills from other Apple, you know, office products kind of translate, yeah. right? That that sort of, and so I I find that happens in Kubernetes, and so it just true. becomes easier.
0: It's because mm-hmm. it's we all get word processing, and we all get Kubernetes, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it, yeah, actually, I reckon yeah. that there's a lot of people today that don't know word processing. Yeah, because if you're a developer, you don't need to write a word document. You know, mm-hmm. you just need to know Markdown and ASCII doctor. But they do know <laughs> Kubernetes, right? That's a very yeah. valuable thing. It is, and it's useful because if you understand the primitives, then you can scale that abstraction. Because Kubernetes is, among many other things, an API. Yeah, right. It's an yeah. API, and it gives you the ability to just define primitives that you can write code that responds to. Yeah, you know uh, yeah. those primitives. Yeah. So getting back to that developer use case, yes. right? Is having a dev- is 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 it developer friendly just to say here's uh, Kubernetes deploy the cluster again? I don't think that is. That doesn't feel very nice. Uh, what about if you wanted to get an app into production? Right. Uh, let's say you've got five hundred line of business web apps, mm-hmm. basic, shame, uh, basic same template yeah. you know s- shape and structure. Right. Like, should that be the same repetitive five hundred lines of YAML each time, or is there a better way, a more concise way? without sacrificing kubernetes.
1: Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely better ways. So I see a shift um so you know I, th- I think there's a couple of things in the ecosystem that have been evolving but um so it's so not to say that this is this is the only way but the way that I that I've been you know the way that I'm familiar with I suppose is um and that that seems revolutionary to me uh in in the family of things doing this um is one product is called cartographer for example mm-hmm. and cartographer is uh, a product that enables you to create these supply chain. So it's basically, it is your path to production or your, your you know, CI, CD process. And so for each of the steps along the way that you need an app to to to, um, to do or to, to, or something to be done to your app before it gets to production, mm-hmm. each of those steps uh, can ha- can be managed by a different resource in the Kubernetes ecosystem, for example, right? So what kind you of steps? Need, for the first step might be just, you know, I have a, I have a Git, repository where I'm going to be, as a developer, checking in new code. So right. whenever there's a commit, I need something to be pulling that and notice. And whenever there's a, g- a new git commit on this branch or, you know, uh, pull down that code because that code is going to need to be tested. So that's step number one.
0: Git clone is a step. Git
1: clone is a step.
0: Exactly. Okay. Okay.
1: Right. Pull every minute, let's say, and then okay. git clone. Uh, the next one might be run some tests on this code, right? Maybe run a scanner on the, on the libraries on this code, right? Make sure that we're not letting... Vulnerabilities through or or known open nor nor known libraries that for whatever reason you you need to flag, um, and then if you're going to be deploying that code on Kubernetes, you probably want to build that into some kind of into a container, publish it to a container registry. So now mm. you've got your your uh, your your image sitting on a registry somewhere, and then uh, the next step might be to scan that image. For example, you might want to uh, you know you know, then other compliance tests. Different enterprises have different kind of compliance needs. Right. And then finally, you want to uh, attach or assign or you know write the config, write the YAML configuration that needs to accompany that. Because in the old in the old days, right. when we were deploying to something like WebSphere, the jar was the artifact that we deployed. Right. We didn't really need. To, it wasn't like a jar. And I mean, applications had configuration, but they were configuration for the application itself. Right.
0: As opposed to the runtime the
1: infrastructure. Exactly. Well, is that true though?
0: I mean, application like famously like EJBs and all that. You're configuring all the characteristics of the runtime for the app, like transaction demarcation and security and access roles and
1: yeah, but don't, managed but,
0: databases. But, or, but transaction
1: demarcation and things like that; those are inside of the app server.
0: They are no well, they're but they're inside of the config. You you deploy a they, we used to deploy, we used to talk about deployment descriptors, right? You'd have mm-hmm. this XML deployment descriptor that would sit next to your your
1: WAR or uh-huh.
0: your EAR or your nowadays JAR. You know, and or inside of it, you know, you have web.xml from the days of yore. Yeah, yeah. Maybe,
1: maybe, maybe there's a a bit of a parallel. Yeah, but I do feel like the way we 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 deal with, um, I still think it's a bit different. The way we approach creating the YAML that is sort of the infrastructure as code. That's true because we're not talking about how
0: the app interacts with the infrastructure. We're just describing Mm -hmm. the infrastructure. We're
1: describing the infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You're right. Um, And then no, I mean I think there there probably are parallels there. And then uh, and then so. So, but you need to create that YAML that's going to yeah. you know, be the definition of, of what you want to deploy. In reality, the YAML is what you're deploying, right? The YAML yeah. is, has a, the name of the container you want to deploy, but really all you need is that. You're you're getting from source code to YAML, actually, yeah. right? And on, and on the way, you need to have your source code turned into a container and sitting somewhere accessible. So yeah. once you have that YAML, then you can either, you know, you can take that YAML and put it on another Git repo and then... The last step would be to deploy that to your target cluster wherever production disaster recovery load testing wherever you're going with this
0: and that yaml is just the representation of a bunch of objects yeah so we're not actually, actually what gets created at the end of the day isn't just yeah it's actually a bunch of objects that know about each other that are wired up in a certain way
1: well i mean it could be it could, it could be it could be many things yeah, yeah. depending on on what you're defining it could be something really simple where it's just you know your your application running in in some in a, in a couple of pods, yeah. Or you could be describing something more uh, more uh, robust or more comprehensive with routing and with you know databases and right. things like that. Yeah. So, but but all if each of those individual steps is taken care of by right. a, by a separate resource, and you can pick right. You can say, well, you know, there's a, there's a company out there that in in the in the, in the ecosystem or or a, or a OSS project that's really like. Um, perfected the art of pulling my Git repository and um, cloning the code. And then there's another, another open source project out there that's perfected the art of building the container. And there's another open source project by an entirely different team, other people who've perfected the art of scanning. Well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to look at the Kubernetes ecosystem and say, I want to use this collection of things. So really the part that's missing is like You've got all these disparate projects that don't inherently—they don't assume they're going to be talking to each other. They don't—they don't ping each other. They don't pull each other. They don't push information to each other. They just each one of them is a long-running process on the cluster that's doing its thing. Mm-hmm. And so you're—you're you're going to need a layer on top of that to say, okay, well, for any given developer application, I'm going to need one of each of these things. Right. Um, so you need to create create the resource for every application and then. I'm going to these because these are long-living processes you need against that thing that that created these individual resources to monitor them over time and say have any of them changed did the thing that's that's uh, pinging the polling the git repository find new code did the thing that's building the container image build a new container image so constantly kind of monitoring the status of these resources um and then when any one of them does change then to take the output from that activity and pass it to the, the, any any further activity that needs that as input, so you need, and that's what that that's what enables you to define a workflow by composing these activities in a particular order that interests you, yeah. and moving inputs uh, outputs from one activity as inputs to the next. That's what so, Cartographer does. So how
0: does that is that how does that work at a technical level? Like when I think about this, I think of okay, I've got incompatible APIs that don't know about each other. Mm-hmm. Something needs to adapt them to a common API, yeah. And then we have some sort of meta layer that lets we compose these things that are adapted.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because they are disparate APIs that are that are not. Uh, they are, you know, each one of these projects has its own API. Right. However,
0: And its own outputs and its own outputs. Yeah, and
1: yeah. Whatever. No one's. And if you have, let's say, two choices of projects out there in the ecosystem, and they both will pull your Git repo and download code, where they put that output that so that that address of the of the code or the maybe status. just the commit id yeah like it would be in the status of the object but it could be in a different field right, right. that's not uniform that's, that's there's no standard around that so yeah. you do need that choreographing layer on top so in this case cartographer but that whatever that choreographing layer is you need to be able to tell it hey i'm using you know project a to pull the git repo and pull code and project a is going to put that output in the field called you know uh, revision in the status so you you do need that configuration but then it's a very simple configuration because while those apis are different the way that this choreographer is going to access that information is uniform because that is the kubernetes api being the grand you know uniformer
0: so it's is the channel is a conduit through which they speak to each other everybody's talking is on... to,
1: exactly so everybody's going to go through the kubernetes api server to yeah. ask questions about anything, any resource that's in the Kubernetes database. Yeah. And these objects in the database, what is standard about them uh, is that you have the the main spec of the object that defines the object, but then each one has a status. And that's within Kubernetes, like yeah. you, you know, an object, not all objects have statuses, but if they're going to maintain state, it's going to be in that status field. So what is standard is to inquire using uh, the the Kubernetes API yeah. to say, give me this object and give me this field in the status. So while the field that you're going to, the field that you're querying for is different, the the, I, the the structure is the same, right? And the API call is the same.
0: So maybe you're looking for a URL and, and dollars to donuts, most things that publish GitHub uh whatever we will have a URL for that somewhere and you just feed that into the next step
1: yes right right so you would use so so what this overriding layer will do is use the Kubernetes API to talk to the Kubernetes API server right and say for that thing that just got my that just cloned my code I want to get from the status I want to get the URL field right because for that I want the URL then and, and then it's gonna say okay now take that and for this next one Again, you're talking to the Kubernetes API system using Kubernetes API, you know, sort of syntax and saying, uh, for this next one, I need to inject that value in this particular under this particular node, and you submit that to the Kubernetes API server. So all these communications with each other happen through the Kubernetes API server. So they, so they're not, yeah, they're not like. So I don't know that. You know, once once you offload all kind of lifecycle management and intercommunications. To Kubernetes. Once you're using Kubernetes for that, then I don't I don't know if it's uh, accurate to say anymore that all of these APIs are disparate. There, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's no agreement in like the 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 inner content, but right. the way in which you access them, the way in which you provision things or delete things or update things,
0: it's kind of like REST. You can just as long yeah. as you know get, put, post, delete, it's patch, and so what's actually to take that metaphor even further, perhaps unnaturally, the with REST, you have the same verbs for everything, mm-hmm. and the same is true for Kubernetes. Uh, what is different is the structure of the thing, of the resource, of the representation of the resource. So, mm-hmm. and there, but just just as with JSON, you know, I can use jq to quickly get right. at the field I want in a particular exactly. part of the graph.
1: Oh, okay, it is that. It's exactly that because you're getting it back right. It is. J, it is. It is like a JSON response, yeah. and you're like dot status dot this, or yeah. it's not always dot status, right? Yeah, it could yeah. be, it it could
0: could be, be state something state. else. Yeah. Ah, that's so cool. So. Now, why would I do this instead of just using like Flux CD or something like that, which has a lot of these components built and they work well together? So you for can common use this. Cases.
1: So you can use uh, Cartographer. Yeah. Uh, and Flux CD can be part of your process. Okay. So, so there are things where I mean, Flux CD could talk to other. I guess there's a Flux ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. And those products maybe have their own integrations. So you you could use that integration. Uh, for a certain thing. But this this is still sort of an overriding process. Yeah. And it can so in the example that, that we often work with, we are using Flux CD source controller. Mm. That is what we use to pull the Git repo. because um, it does
0: a good job. Because it
1: does a good Why job. Not use exactly. It? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so you could use other um flux components in the in the flow for sure. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean that's, you know, the whole the whole ecosystem is at is at your disposal, which is the other beautiful thing, right? There's other, there are other tools mm. Um, that have tried to that, that, that try to take advantage of other technologies out there, but often the way to use them is that a, a particular plugin has to be written uh, right. for that, and so then it becomes its own mini ecosystem. But this is really Kubernetes has created this ecosystem that that is a great equalizer in many senses. Yeah. So you really have, you know, infinite choices. Infinite, unfortunately, yeah. as you know, as you you call the CNCF yeah. picture of racked, also yeah. <laughs> definitely infinite choices.
0: Yeah, it keeps, it, I mean, it contains multitudes, right? It is yeah. awesome. It, yeah, It's a strength, not a weakness, but yeah. it is a little, it can be a little daunting. So I think w- that is what I want to hear. What you just said is what I want to hear from the perspective of operations, right? I care about having that flexibility in determining the best path to production. As However, a developer, though.
1: Yes, yes. So, so that, That's going so to feel daunting. Yeah. So Tanzu helps there also because... Uh, when you install a Kubernetes cluster uh, using Tanzu Community Edition or, or the commercial Tanzu set, what happens is that you, what is included in the cluster is a is a collection, a curated list of projects uh, that are that cover key areas that you need right. to, uh, in order to enhance your cluster. And so, for those key areas, you don't have to go on that, you know, sort of soul searching, you know, you know, try everything under exactly, the sun. Exactly, right. And so it saves you a lot of work, but but also these are curated, right? So somebody else has done this research and not only have they done that, they've packaged these products along with some, you know, default sensical configuration so that you can install them more easily. And all of these packages are documented under, If let's say we're talking about the, the open source side of it, the Tanzu Community Edition in the Tanzu Community Edition documentation, you'll have instructions on how to install Flux CD Source Controller right. from the package. So, it's, so not so yeah. I don't know how. I don't think Flux is particularly hard to install, but like, but but there are some others that are more complicated to sure. install and have you know more complex configuration. And so this is number one, giving you that curated list and giving you an easier way to configure and install them. So you can very quickly. In fact, there's a the latest. Um, so those are individual packages. What, what is newer to Tanzu Community Edition are these is a meta package that includes, because as you're saying, right, as a developer, you're going to, if you want that really well-functioning developer-friendly platform, you're gonna need to install maybe, you know, six, seven, eight things at least. Yeah. So why not put those all together and say, here's a meta package for you. Here's your developer experience. We, we call it application toolkit. Mm-hmm. So within four commands, create your cluster, um, the, the the next two commands have to do with cre- um, adding this your secret your credentials to your uh, image registry, and then the fourth command is to install this this meta package of things. Um, so four commands, and you will have a fully functioning cluster where you can just take an application and uh, and sort of like you know deploy onboard it, create it. Define It defines your what, what is termed as a workload, but it really is just like your Git URL and mm-hmm. the branch. And you provide that, and then this uh, what you've installed through this meta package will take that, download the code, build the container, and deploy it and have you a running application.
0: Is that using Cartographer?
1: Cartog- yes, okay, Cartographer so, behind the scenes, yeah.
0: So, be- so can I customize that and package it up for other people in the organization? So instead of using the pre-built,
1: yeah, surely absolutely. good, but maybe
0: not perfect...
1: Yeah, Built yeah. in one. Mm-hmm. Can
0: I create my own? Yeah,
1: you can absolutely create. You, you can create. So, so the workflow that is included is Flux CD for getting the code, KPAC for building the container image, and Knative serving for running the application. But you can build your own chains. You can add. You can add more steps. Uh, you can. You, yeah, you can. You, you can do whatever you want.
0: So, and and that whole. Can I? How do I? What's the interface to that from a developer perspective? If I want to give them a custom one they have to respecify all 5000 lines of yaml to de- redeploy the whole supply chain or so it really isn't that much yaml configure uh, in the end a custom one
1: you can so for if you were reusing that flux piece and that KPAC piece and maybe you maybe you want all those three steps but you want to add a sure. testing one yeah. so then you do have to define the yaml to add a testing step yeah and then in your workflow you could just introduce one more step you know, in the sequence, uh, so it's it is it's it is a little bit more YAML, right? Mm-hmm. You can't fully get away from, from that if you're uh, creating that workflow. But the developer doesn't is is none the wiser. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what is their I I don't mind defining it once mm-hmm. for the organization, right? Like right. I so I want to say here's the flow. know right whatever but what does that look like from the developer for each app
1: a developer has has two a choice of two experiences so one is one is 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 again a little bit of yaml but it really is it's very minimal it's it's basically your Git url the the branch that you want to pull from uh you do have to specify you know a a service account name because we do care about security so make sure you have permissions to do what you're asking to do and the name of the, essentially the name of the supply chain that you want to use, right? Uh, the name so, of the path to production. So I don't have to
0: read. So from, from my perspective, as somebody just deploying a Spring Boot app that talks, that lives on HTTP port 8080 or SSL, uh-huh. all I'm doing is referencing this pre-built supply chain we just exactly. talked about.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. Right. Each so. one is, you use a label. Yeah. And so you, you, you've labeled your your workload as something that will be taken care of by the, the, you know, the workflow that handles web applications. Mm -hmm. So you label yours as a web application or the workflow that handles batch applications, which is maybe a different flow. So you label your workload as a batch application. So it's just, you know, what type is your workload? What's your Git URL? What's your branch? And what's your you know your service account? Make
0: sure you have permission. So I define that in my Git repository. Just do I do do I kubectl apply that you could, once you and could. it does uh,
1: well there's a CLI. So if you really if you really, really don't like YAML, you can there's a CLI so Tanzu create Tanzu apps create workload with yeah. parameters for all those fields. Or and in fact, if you type that, I think there's a dry run, but but if you type that, it'll give you the YAML. It's like yeah. 10 lines of YAML.
0: I don't mind doing so even if it's just 10 lines and I can oh, just yeah. change the name and the Git URL. Yes. From Unless one app to gamma. another. That's the interface I want. That's it. That's, this is company approved. I'm not having yeah. I don't have to figure out how to do SSL and prod. The the team and the, the platform team has already figured that out. Yeah. And I I can just as long as my app fits a certain shape and they're and if it it's that workloads use yeah. case. And if not, I have the power to override it, but I can reuse yeah. the built in And
1: the great thing is that with this kind of approach, mm-hmm. uh I mean, the developer side is is clearly easier, but the operator side is also a lot more elegant and it's easier. And so, and what that also means for operators is that they can more easily create different supply chains to address your team needs while still ensuring that the organizational needs for compliance or security wow. are still being met across all of the existing supply chains, um, mm. which is, has been a trade-off with traditional. Uh, CICD tools, there's often been this trade-off where the only way to satisfy team needs has been, you know, a, a great variety of team needs has been for individual development teams to kind of take on the burden of managing their own CICD, yeah. which may, it poses a challenge for the organization because then they they've got a bunch of snowflakes and, and you know, it's harder to ensure that all applications are, are meeting the right compliance checks. And so it just becomes this, you know, it's a very heavy burden to, to create these uh, uh, CICD pipelines to maintain them to even just to manage the the communication across you know teams no. to yeah it's a it's, it's
0: drag on it's, it's, it's efficiency for yeah and it's not it's not that it, nobody's doing a bad job here no it's no not at that. all it's you just need that the, to be the tech same hasn't gone there
1: you know it's like it, it's the same evolution that we saw before right like so there's these great ideas out there right we had a, the the idea of of. Modularizing applications. that What led to microservices? I mean, just in my lifetime, obviously these ideas probably started before. I'm just not aware. But like, I started off in, in the days of service-oriented architecture. Yeah. And so a lot of those ideas are already there, except that they were only really brought to fruition on the development side. And even then, there wasn't that much discipline to it. But developers were at least finding an approach to coding where they were already modularizing code. So what what you know what these changes in infrastructure allowed is for Developers to take those ideas and to really push them and make them because if you have modularized code but you're still deploying a single uh, ear file or, or you know it's yeah. really not modular at the time of deployment. You haven't
0: gained any advantages.
1: Exactly, but once that infrastructure became easier to manage, then suddenly you could take that idea of modularizing code and say, actually, these can be microservices. And if we're and if if they're really um, self-sufficient. Units of code, then we don't even need like an app server that's going to house all of them. We just inject the, the app server right into the application. Yeah. And now they're truly independent, modularized units of work. Wow. And so I feel like. The same thing for CI CD, right? So all of these ideas about modernizing code and cloud native, we haven't really applied them yet to the CI CD space. Right. Right. Because it wasn't because CI CD pipelines don't really fit exactly that same microservice architecture, right? It's not your 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 modularized pipeline, your modern pipeline is not gonna be a microservice application in the same sense of a microservice application that is a bunch of applications in pods yeah. communicating through an API server, right? right? It's gonna be a little bit more like, I don't know, maybe like a lightweight really lightweight ESB because it's an event-based yeah. system and you need that. Stage over-
0: event-driven architecture.
1: Exactly. And you need that overriding layer to know a little bit about the order, right? It's not like yeah. uh, Flux doesn't know that it's going to send something to KPAC. So right. you need something else to have that intelligence. Sure. The so routing. exactly. And now with Kubernetes and something like Cartographer, now is when CICD, I think, has an opportunity to, to go through that same evolution and become become you know adopt those cloud native modern principles so i think yes. it's an exciting time to be in citd
0: absolutely <laughs> i am excited uh where do people go to learn about Sh.
1: this yeah cartographer.sh is the website for cartographer okay. that'll take you to the github page um and yeah if you if you google cartographer videos there's yeah. there's a few out there if you if you want to learn from people showing you how to do things but cartographer.sh is a website and then
0: where do people learn more about you and by the way like uh uh, spell your name
1: (laughs) so uh cora Iberkleid. so on twitter i am at c-i-b-e-r-k-l-e-i-d okay and um yeah i don't know we're we're on we're on the cloud native crew cloud native crew yeah what is that
0: do we have a url for that
1: uh, well, it's on Tanzu TV. Tanzu.tv has a lot of different shows that are that come out of yeah. the Spring Advocacy, out of the Developer Advocacy Team at VMware. One of those is ours. There's other great yeah. shows there, but yeah, definitely That's go to Tanzu.tv and, and find our Cloud Native Crew show. And okay. uh, yeah, come out so with first,
0: us. So, first, see you at on Twitter and then Tanzu TV uh, Cloud Native Crew. Yeah, Thanks, I've, Josh. Thank you, Cora. It's been so much fun. I appreciate it. Appreciate your uh, taking okay. the time to uh, help me level up a little bit.
1: Oh, I'm the one who's. Who's getting that help here? Thank you so much. It's it's amazing to be able to work with you, Josh. So much fun.
0: A beautiful podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at s-t-a-r-b-u-x-m-a-n on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs' Them from Morning in Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, And if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.